Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. I'm your host, Florence Adu, and I'm back with part two of my conversation with Troy White. Troy describes himself as a full-service lifestyle marketing specialist within the urban and multicultural millennial marketplaces. He's been a marketing specialist for over 30 years, working with clients such as Sony, Adidas, Atlantic Records, BET, Coke, Diddy, the Grammys, Heineken, Jay-Z, President Barack Obama, Mayor Michael Bloomberg, The list goes on, and if you listened to part one of our conversation, you got a little bit of insight into some of that work. He is currently the managing director of Digital Self, which is where we pick up our conversation. Troy, take it away. Digital Self is based out of London, and it's a virtual reality company. Virtual reality, augmented reality, 2D 360 experiences, where we create those experiences for artists, for events, for schools, for offshore oil rigs. And COVID has actually kind of helped us. Right. Uh, before COVID, it was really hard to talk to people about virtual reality. Yeah. They still think it's like something that is so far away, or it's only for their kids to play virtual reality games at home. That's it. But they don't realize within the next five years, we're going to be using VR for everything, mm-hmm. like everything. So, But now people are starting to open up and realize like, oh my gosh, this tech is going to be paramount in everything that we do. But right now we're doing something for the Motown Museum so that when COVID, you know, if or any other disease happens again, museums won't have to shut down. You right. could, you can take that. People can pay for virtual tours. Sure. There's so many things from the NBA to the NFL. VR is going to be very key in entertainment for artists. Uh, artists could be like, I want to perform at the Louvre and I'm going to sell tickets. And he could be in his living room. And we can literally create the Louvre. And people can literally come to the Louvre and pay to be either on stage with the artist <laughs> sitting right next to him mm-hmm. or in the front row. Mm-hmm. And then they can move around and go backstage and all kinds of stuff virtually. Yeah. That's where entertainment is headed. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I want to talk more about VR because very interestingly, I, um, I did an activation, a VR activation for Facebook a couple years ago. And so they had, and this is, they were, the Oculus was in there launching the Oculus. Mm-hmm. So Technology Fair did an activation for them and people put on the goggles and everything. And the limitation that I understood, and it could have, it could be different now, is one, particularly for Africans and for Africa, is the actual technology, the tools. So to get the visual, the frame, the, the what would you call it? The viewfinder? What would you call them? Uh-huh. Viewfinder's fine. Okay, yeah, because uh-huh. it reminds you. Screen, <laughs> it reminds viewfinder, me. screen. Oh, yes, exactly. So, so having that widely available. So the question I'm asking you is, is how do you see the digital divide potentially impacting the adoption of VR and augmented reality in Africa? 
because you're kind of in that context and you're really trying to build that market here. But right. what are the, the challenges you see and how do you see overcoming them? So, so the good thing for the continent is when it comes to cell phone penetration, mm-hmm. it's this continent has the highest percentage. So people are very cell phone techie wise, old people, young people, like everyone is. Like here in Nairobi, you buy everything from your phone. Yes. Because like, we've they've been using mobile money for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, before any personal money started in Nairobi, Kenya. It wasn't Apple Pay, it wasn't Chase Pay. Right. It was in from Safaricom was the first mobile money. So just about every country here has mobile money. People are very open-minded in regards to tech. The other thing is the continent has the youngest population in the world. Right. So their ability to adapt to certain tech is like this. Mm-hmm. Now, the headsets, every year, they're going down in price, down in price, more complicated and much better. Okay. Eventually, they're going to get to a point where we're almost going to be giving those out. Right. Because it's not, the money's not really in the hardware. Mm-hmm. The money's in all the apps and the entertainment and the things that are on the hardware. Right. That's where the money is. Right. It's just like in, in gaming, like um, with our gaming company, where none of the games that we're doing, we're selling. We're giving all those games out for free. But the money is being made in in-app purchases. So that's where you want to get to. And I think that eventually the whole AR and VR experience for different populations on this continent will be readily available and at a good price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? so, on the and other- not only the AR and the VR experience, but we also do the 2D 360 experience that people can have on their phones. I'm sure you've looked like looked at homes and apartments. Uh, real estate uses it a lot where you can move around the room with your cursor and, and shape the room and move it around. That's a 2D 360 experience. We also do that. Okay. So if we have a concert or event, you don't necessarily have to do the whole VR experience. Uh, if you don't have the headset, you could do something, the 360 experience on your phone. Okay. So that one, you, you still are kind of present, but it moves, it has, you have to move it or as you move, it moves. No, as you, you can move with your finger on your phone oh. or your iPad or your cursor on your laptop. Okay. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. So then now getting down to the developing of the technology <coughs> or the content, right? So the other thing I experienced when doing this activation is that there wasn't a lot of interesting experiences within the apps that are available. So we, they did a lot of undersea things. We had a few animal nature scenes, but the ability to make the environments, like create the environments where the VR or AR is happening, where do you see Africa playing a role? And is that is that a big part of the work that you actually do, is actually creating the physical environments where the AR is happening? Yes, well, we have some unbelievable developers that are in London, 
that are here. And one of the developers that I have here, um, he works for Kafaru, and his name is Andrew. And this kid is the dopest freaking developer on this continent. He's even got videos on YouTube where he's got 500 million views of, of his work because he does this series called Hero Smashers, where if you're like a comic book person or a movie person who likes villains, he'll take like a big room and he'll put like Alien in it, the Predator, Superman, Batman, Vision, Wolverine, Spider-Man, Captain America, Thor, Bane, and they'll all fight to the death. Wow, so it's like an MMA, an MMA, virtual MMA ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. And graphically, it's unbelievable. You would think that he was paid millions of dollars to do this because that's the quality of the look. But he's one of our our premier developers. And he's Kenyan. And he's Kenyan, yes. Nice, nice. What's his name? And what's that? What's that say? Hero Smashers, you said? Hero Smashers. Okay, we'll have so that. You punch in hero, once you punch in Hero Smashers, you'll see like the visuals of superheroes. Okay. So you could just, he's got like maybe like 20 videos on there okay. of different fighting, different superheroes and villains fighting against each other. Okay, okay, nice. So we'll have that in the show notes, folks. So speaking yeah. of <clears throat> where you are, this is where I ask my local speak questions. Please share a word, phrase, or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as global speak. Wow. All right. So right now, if my Kenyan friends are watching this, they're laughing their asses off because they're like, that MF does not know Swahili and all <laughs> all my friends. <laughs> And all my friends here kick me in behind. But I always tell them, like, listen, there are things that I'm really good at and there are things that I'm really great, I mean, horrible at. Languages, I'm like, I tell my Kenyan friends, like, look, you guys speak better freaking English than I do, okay? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so me and uh, Swahili, I'm literally going to have to take courses because I can't pick it up locally, just chilling with my friends and being observant and listening. Me and languages, I can't spell. I'm horrible with numbers. Those three things, I can't remember people's names. Those four things are things that I get an F in, like not even a D minus, an F. (laughs) But I will tell you my favorite Swahili word would be because my two favorite words in the world are love and groovy. Those are my words. Okay. So the Swahili word for for love is nakupenda. Nakupenda. Yeah. And I just love how that sounds, nakupenda. It, yeah. just, it just, just rolls off your tongue. So just, ah, I think it's a beautiful word. Yeah. Um, so... That's, you know, I've got about like 20 Swahili words in my pocket and that's about it. Okay. And okay. don't test me. Don't test me. <laughs> <laughs> but next year, next year though, I'm going to be <laughs> Next year, I'm going to be flowing. I'm going to be flowing. Yeah, exactly. 
very good, very good, very good. So let me ask this, why did you, how did you find yourself getting into the digital self space? So you, you know, you're working in marketing and, and getting shit hot for, for companies. Digital self seems like a little bit of a pivot in a different direction, as well as you're in the gaming space. So tell us a little bit how about how that business works and how it's working, particularly facing Africa. Well, the one thing that I've always done is I've been blessed to be able to kind of, I can't tell the future or none of that kind of shit, but I can feel and vibe things. So in... 95, 96, I could feel where the music industry was going. I could see where it was going. And it had nothing to do about the whole digital downloading of, of music because that had not that had not even started yet. But what had started was that white companies had started buying up all the black radio stations. They were putting in white consultants to tell the black programmers what records they should play. Mm-hmm. So I was like, shit, they're not even gonna need me soon to go into a black radio station to talk to the black program director because he's getting his directives from some white boys sitting in Connecticut on his computer telling him what the latest analytics are and telling him what to play. And then the record companies started merging and it started to become fewer and fewer record labels. So I was like, yo, you need to reinvent yourself. Because this whole record thing eh, don't look like it's going to be around the way it is now. And back then, it was a flourishing business for Black people. Like, there was tens of thousands of African Americans working in all kinds of different capacities within the music industry. Tens of hundreds of thousands. Like, it was a great place to have a job, get paid extremely well. I will tell you, it, say if I just knew 5,000 people in the music industry in 2000. Out of those 5,000, maybe 50 of those people have jobs now. Maybe 50 of those 5,000 have a job in the music industry right now. Wow. You know, But I could tell what was happening. So I started marketing, using the marketing that I used in music to brands. Mm-hmm. So I flipped that. So now I know that, and I've always known, because I'm a tech person and I'm also a gamer. So I've always had my feet in that world. So I know what the future entertainment is going to be. So the AR and the VR part of it, I want to play a part in that. Because I lived going through vinyl to CDs and sitting in boardrooms where we were arguing about whether or not it's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. Then I lived through the whole MP3 thing and physical music and sitting in boardrooms and people arguing like, God, this shit's a fad. Oh, it's not going to work. Uh, people aren't going to pay for something they can't touch or see. Like all of those arguments, I've seen the progression of entertainment. I know that VR and AR is the future of entertainment. So I want to be ahead of the game and be a part of it now. Yeah, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So in that same vein, what would you say is your mindset? So this is where I ask what 
your favorite or an innovative mindset hack is? And this is one that you practice or one that you <clears throat> I probably say my favorite mindset hack is prayer. Prayer. Um, yeah, yeah. I start off every morning praying and every night praying. Even during the day, like, I'm always talking to God. And I'm a very, like, positive person. Like, 50 negative things could have happened to me that day. And you and I could have a conversation and you would never know it. Because on the inside, I'm always like, ah, it's going to get better. I'm just always the glass is half full, mm-hmm. not half empty. It's just my mindset. And there are times where I've gotten beaten down in life. Like, just crazy shit has happened. But through prayer and me always believing that as long as I got lung, I mean, air in my lungs and God's blessed me to be able to get up to fight another day, it's going to be a good day. Like, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, this is going to be a great freaking day. Like, unbelievable day. And that's just how I approach this. Anybody knows in business and in life, especially if you're adventuresome and you're out there, you're going to take more losses than wins. Mm-hmm. It's just how things are. Right. But you got to be able to learn from those losses and keep it moving and keep it moving fast. You can't lay down. I always tell my daughter when we're talking, like you can't fall down like a white woman in a horror movie. <laughs> That's a good analogy because you sure can. <laughs> you don't even have to get no. old. You just can't fall down. <laughs> you better get, if you fall, if you fall, you better get your ass up quick and keep it moving. Keep it moving, yeah. And don't even look back. Like, keep it moving. Keep your eyes. They teach you that in track. When you're running, you never look to the side or to right. the back because it slows you down. Right. You know, so that's always been my life hack. Like, just Troy, no matter how many times you've fallen, just get your ass up, keep moving, and don't look behind. Don't wallow in the negativity. Don't wallow in your failures because that shit just slows you down. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely, definitely. You and know, the world keeps moving. It, well, absolutely. And it's interesting that you, you say that because one of the things that really motivated me was the State of the Union that President Obama made for his first term. So that was 2009 State of the Union, right? And one of the mm-hmm. phrases he said was, pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And, you know, you've, I've heard it a lot of times over time, but that, that just rang in my ears as, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it now, right? Because that was a hard time. The markets had crashed, you know, the, everything was like trying to get itself back together. So I brought up President Obama because I wanted to kind of probe you on that. Like, how was that experience working with then Barack Obama? So it was cool because no one knew who he was when I first started working with him. Okay. Because I did lots of parties and events in the States, people knew that I, if I had something, people would come. So when he was running for Senate, I had events, me and a couple of my friends had fundraisers for him when he was just running for Senate and no one knew who the hell he was in New York, Philadelphia, and in DC. So I raised money for him in those markets for him to run for Senate. Then when he ran and won, I worked on this campaign that he had called, the brother was smart. 
he had this campaign that he started, this fund that he started called the Hope Fund. So at that time, he was the rock star in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. So he was raising money to help other senators and other congressmen who were running on the Democratic ticket to help them. Because he's never said this, but I personally think he knew once he became senator, he was running for president after his first term. Because the <laughs> well, whole hope book, fund thing. That, but okay, I feel you. The hope fund thing was like genius. Yeah. Because then if people turned around with like, wow, how are all these senators and congressmen that were Hillary supporters, why are they supporting Obama now? Well, it was because Obama was raising money for them when they ran the last mm-hmm. time. Okay, right. <laughs> You know, he, he was there for them. He was using his star power for them. Yeah, that was genius. So I helped him. It was, it was freaking beautiful. It was beautiful. So then I got a chance to work with him to help raise money for his whole fund. Okay, got it. He's just as cool as you might think he is. Like, in person, he's not, like, all stuck up and, like, all... Yeah, nice. He's like just straight, you know. Yeah. He's a regular brother. Like he's yeah. cool as shit. Like the first time he met me, he was like, "You don't work in politics, do you?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I said, well, I kind of do because I did all the marketing for Mayor Bloomberg's three campaigns, okay. um, and I did some work with Hillary Clinton when she was running for Senate in New York." But it was because of the suit that I had on uh, um, and how I was dressed. And I, at the time, I had dreadlocks that were down past my knees. Oh, wow. So I wasn't given that political on um, politics look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that was the first thing he said to me when we were introduced. He's like, you don't work in politics, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and it was strictly because of how I looked. Right. You know. Nice, nice. nice. So how does someone who doesn't work in politics spend their time? So this is where I want to ask. We want to know a little bit more about how you spend your time outside of the work that you do. So are you a listener? Are you a reader? Or are you a watcher? I'm a watcher and I'm a listener. Okay. So what do you watch and um, what do you listen to? Oh, this is great. I like this shit. Um, <laughs> right now, I'm in the midst of watching... What's that joint on Netflix with the European people and they're stealing money out of the like banks? Uh, money Heist. Money Heist, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm almost finished Money Heist. I literally got into that. I was a late bloomer to Money Heist. I know people are like, what? You're just watching Money Heist? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just watching Money Heist. Okay. And that's my, that's my new joint. Like I love 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 money heist okay. uh, listening to blinky bill who's a local kenyan artist okay. and michael kiwanuka yeah yeah uh, i think his music is so freaking beautiful blinky bill now you give my artist list of me working with michael jackson and prince and uh jason Beyonce and a gazillion other artists. Blinky Bill is probably, he's my top favorite, most creative artist I've ever worked with in my life. Okay. 
And if he wasn't in Nairobi, he would the world would know who he is. But I'm working on right now trying to get the world to catch up to this artist. I would he's a combination that say Blinky, yo. If Pharrell, Wyclef, and William had a baby, mm, it would be him. Blinky Bill. Yeah, it would be Blinky Bill. That's how freaking creative and ahead of the game he is musically. Like he he doesn't make music for the general population. Cause the general population won't get it until a couple years later. Right, right. Whenever he puts out things, it's the music is a ahead of its time. Like he's beautiful. Okay. Good. Beautiful. Again, show notes, we'll have links to all that. So, Troy, we're getting to the end of our conversation. Thank you so no! much. No! <laughs> I know, right? Um, I love your energy, and I love what you oh, have to you. share about the work that you're doing. And um, I want to come back to the VRAR thing at some point and technology in Africa. So soon I'll be getting some salon work in, and I want to kind of get deeper into that because that is where okay. we're you know, looking at the youth, looking at all those things. So... So stay tuned for that. But for now, do you have any last words for our listeners? No, just, hey guys, thanks for listening. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Stay positive and stay groovy through all these crazy times that we're going through. I personally, I don't even look at this COVID thing as a negative thing. That's how positive I am. Like I, yeah. I personally think it's here for us to learn, for us to adjust and get our priorities in order and it's like a fight like you gotta bob and weave you gotta move you gotta punch you gotta up you gotta you know that's how life is right today and that's what that's what corona is and that's what bad financial times are and but just stay positive keep moving don't fall like the white girl in the horror movie <laughs> <Get your hands laughs> <up>. <laughs> So you heard you heard it folks stay groovy so um thank you for joining us again for another episode of the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world you can catch new episodes each and every tuesday at www.localcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts so until next time listeners bye for now